everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of Charlie's GeekCast, the show about me and the stuff I like. Today we're going to continue our look at Grant Morrison's Rock of Ages storyline, but first, here's a couple promos. The Bronze Age of Comics, an era largely ignored as far as Superman goes, and an era that some consider to still be part of the Silver Age. Sure, a lot of people know about the Kryptonite Nevermore storyline, where all the Kryptonite on Earth is turned to iron and Clark Kent goes from a newspaper reporter to a TV reporter. Then there are the Alan Moore stories, for the man who has everything and whatever happens to the man of tomorrow. But in an era that lasted 15 years, surely there's more to the Bronze Age than that, right? Well, my name is Charlie Niemeyer, and every other week, I shine the spotlight on this long-overlooked era of Superman in the Bronze Age. Featuring such stories as the return of Jonathan Kent, two meetings with the Amazing Spider-Man, the Phantom Zone miniseries, the enlarging of Krypton, and more. Plus, J. David Weider also joins in to take a look at Superboy's Bronze Age adventures. So join in the fun at www.supermanandthebronzeage.com and www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, the world's greatest heroes. They have saved the world time and time again. But what about their partners in heroism? Join me, Kenneth Laster, in a podcast journey through the lives of the Teen Titans in Youthful Rebellions, a Teen Titans podcast, starting with the revamp in 2003 and continuing through the New 52. Join Robin, Superboy, and Wonder Girl, and many more at titanspodcast.podomatic. See you there, and remember... Evil beware, we have waffles. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Alrighty then, JLA number 12 had a cover date of November 1997, was released on September 24th, 1997, with a cover price of $1.95 US, $2.75 Canada. It features another awesome-looking cover by Howard Porter and John Dell, colored by Liquid Graphics, showing Green Lantern, Flash, and Aquaman. Basically, it looks like they've been miniaturized and are surrounded by the feet of some other beings. Feet I don't recognize. But, yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, the colors really pop. I really am a fan of Liquid Graphics. Um, they also colored, uh, did some X-Men work and some, uh, and worked on uh, Fantastic Four on the interiors as well as covers. And I just love looking at that work. Uh, anyway, uh, this story is entitled Wonder World, written by Grant Morrison, penciled by Howard Porter, inked by John Dell, lettered by Ken Lopez, colorist was Pat Garrahy, uh, associate editor was Peter Tomasi, uh, Heroic Age did the separations, and Dan Raspler was the editor. And this is Rock of Ages, part three. Now our story starts off... Uh, we're looking at everything from Green Lantern's point of view. He teleports up to the Watchtower, Flash brings him up to speed, and Metron finishes doing the upgrade to the teleport, and suddenly they're sent on their way. And we see Green Lantern apparently is, is telling this story to somebody, someone who has no shape or, or really doesn't have much color or form or shape, uh, but he cont- asks Kyle to continue the story. So Kyle says that he ends up on this other planet or the future or somewhere and takes care of a guy who had a synthetic copy of the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, 
and looks like he's wearing a costume that's a combination of Aquaman's 80s miniseries costume and Animal Man's costume. It's really weird. Uh, but after he took him down, he spent what felt like months, even though he didn't have to recharge his ring on this other planet. Everything was perfect. He'd found the Philosopher's Stone. He was surrounded by women. Uh, he had a big screen TV. He had a house in paradise. Everything was great. And then he suddenly started realizing everything was green. And he woke up in a field of hypnotic flowers no closer to the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, next, time, next time he got sent away, he ended up on this graveyard planet orbiting a black sun and found what appeared to be superheroes from other times and planets, hundreds of them, that had fallen in this quest. And uh, he, he, follow, he keeps walking until he sees it. We don't know what it is yet, but he has to find his friends. He has to get back home. He doesn't know what he's going to do. But don't worry. His friends have been found. The person who doesn't seem to have any form or color or shape is known as Moat. Uh, he's a min he's a, he specializes in self-miniaturization. It's actually just a, de a white costume he's wearing that doesn't seem to have a lot of detail in it. Um... And he says that he specializes in self-miniaturization, and we find out that it actually turns out that Moat had to shrink in order to communicate with Kyle, because they are on Wonderworld. Things are bigger there, and Kyle is basically miniaturized compared to these creatures. Uh, we see these... they look like they could be superheroes. We have a woman that looks like she's right uh, flying on the winds, uh, using... Um, there's an X-Men who has a costume like that. I can't think of his name, but yeah. Uh, there's a flaming woman. Uh, looks like a super stretchy guy. A, a literal bug that's flying. Uh, looks like a con a com combination robotic Roman soldier with wings. Um, some kind of looks almost diamond or jeweled creature with one eye. Uh, and a guy who flies some, with somewhat of the majesty of Superman, but is completely made of metal, so I guess like a, like a real man of steel. Uh, this time, ooh, we get a JLA roll call. Batman, Superman, Aquaman, Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Green Arrow, and Aztec. And as you can see, with Wonder Woman dead, it's a real sausage fest. Uh, meanwhile, in the present, on the real Injustice Gang headquarters, Joker kind of amuses himself by giving the son of Saturn an exploding cigar that explodes in his face, but, you know, doesn't do anything because he's kind of impervious to that kind of harm. Meanwhile, Lex is noticing that the satellite, the decoy satellite, has exploded and went up like the sun, which kind of upsets Joker because um, Lex wasn't supposed to kill Superman until he killed Batman. Double or quits. Uh, and Luther is kind of in shock because it appears his plan worked. However, in space, we find out that uh, Superman was actually able to absorb the energy blast output of the explosion, but kept the light going so it looked like they were, they're were they dead. And then the two heroes fly back down to Earth. Um, but they follow the radio wave front of Luther's bioscan. They have a and strangely enough, they have a... Let's see. So they take a deep breath, 
of the escaping oxygen and produce, proceed at speed to latitude 18 degrees, longitude 157 degrees. Uh, they go back to Earth, they go deep underwater, uh, they pull up a giant chunk of Earth that appears to have a mass close to that of Luther's satellite. And so they're going to use the extra energy Superman absorbed from the bomb to enhance his electromagnetic field and boost the thing into orbit. And then they're going to rendezvous with Batman in three minutes. Meanwhile, Lex, while Lex is noticing that the uh, alien seems that the son of Saturn seems to be a little uncomfortable, they prepare for the grand finale as Joker is using what appears to be poisonous liquid to not only blow bubbles, but these bubbles have little skull heads in them. Uh, at this point. Uh, Cersei shows up on the Injustice Gang satellite with Green Arrow, who agrees that he won't help hurt anyone, but will help shut down the JLA. But Luther doesn't just believe him, so he wants to sever all channels of communication to the JLA watchtower except for one, and wants Green Arrow to give him the computer access codes he needs. So, Green Arrow does just that. Uh, meanwhile, Aztec finds himself suddenly alone as Metron disappears. Uh, but then he's being contacted by Lex Luthor through the computer systems. Uh, you know, how did that happen? At this point, Lex reveals uh, that he had some small interest, small financial interest in the Q Foundation, which is the group uh, that trained Aztec to become the ultimate warrior in the struggle between lightness or between light and darkness. Um, he personally paid for several million dollars worth of the training program and uh, he did it basically not because he believed that there was some Mexican god of evil that was going to return and only Aztec could save their skin it's so that he could have his very own superhero in the Justice League it was all a part of his plan apparently he doesn't believe there is a shadow god so here's the deal from the wreckage of the old Aztec is supposed to form a new JLA funded by LexCorp of course Otherwise, he's going to die. Now, Aztec doesn't want to give up because he will die before he works for Luthor. Uh, but, you know, Luthor says, okay, fine. But consider this. If you do that, who's going to protect Earth from the Shadow God? Hmm? Meanwhile, uh, to help him decide a little quicker, um, Lex tele bulk teleports 12 fully armed nuclear missiles uh, into the watchtower. And it gives him four minutes to make up his mind and hopes that, and believes that Lastek will be reporting for duty soon. On Wonderworld, Moat is giving Kyle a tour of the city of Omnitropolis, which covers the entire surface of, War of Wonderworld. They're currently in the museum of the, in the museum district, where they can see the brain of A-Mind, uh, which is all the remains of that immortal cyborg tyrant. Uh, an evil imp from the fifth dimension trapped in a bottle with six dimensions, and a petri dish with the infant universe of Kwiku, which is one of those words that you can spell backwards and forwards, and it's still the same. Uh, but they're hoping to you know feed it and keep it alive and help it grow to its full potential. Uh, Kyle's kind of sort of getting impatient, but you know, Glimmer or Moat just says, "Hold on." Uh, he doesn't want Kyle to miss, you know, the original Nightmare vehicle used by Nightmare and Nemo to enter the subconscious minds of criminals, and of course Glimmer's hyperwheel treadmill. 
At that point, they finally catch up to the Flash and Aquaman, who f uh, get to finally meet up with the other heroes of Wonderworld. That giant metallic guy I told you about, his name's Adam One, created by the gods in primal time to tame the original world, Mamord. Alone, he wrestled with chaos for a billion years, and in time, Mamord became Wonderworld. The global fortress, or the global fortress they're now in, traverses the entire space-time frontier at hypertemporal speeds, unimaginable even to the Flash. And I should point out that now we've got a whole new set of heroes. Uh, we've got a guy with blue flames coming off of him. We've got another guy that looks like he's already been burnt and has, you know, normal-looking flames. Really, he, it's just entirely black, but he's got a cape and some armbands on. Then you've got Adam One. Then you've got this woman with four arms playing with a baby, also holding a staff. Uh, you've got a guy that looks like a, uh, well, he's an alien. And then you've got someone else in a costume that looks like they've had their mouths uh, sewn shut. Anyway, we find out that this world is on the edge of the universe. Uh, outside, beyond them is the unknown, the eternal abyss, and the anti-sun. They actually invite the three heroes to join their world, to join their Wonderworld team. But they can't do that because uh, Kyle says they can't do that and asks for a minute to speak to their friend, to his friends, which seems to catch Adam One off guard. Uh, Kyle explains what he saw. Uh, apparently, he saw someone that knew. Green Lantern is Kyle Rayner. He introduces so his, to introduce himself. He says, "I became self-aware in the year eighty-five billion three hundred thirty. I am a diamond generation intelligent machine colony DNA programmed with Tyler Miraclo Gene BioSoftware. I am our man, also known as the Master of Time." And uh, when Kyle tells him he's trying to find the Philosopher's Stone, uh, our man says that, of course, you sent me here. The Philosopher's Stone is being misused, and the ripples of its power threaten past, present, and future, as you'll soon see. Um, and apparently what we find out is this is the first time Kyle's met our man, but not the first time our man's met Kyle. The next time Kyle meets our man will be the first time our man meets Kyle, if that makes any sense. The only reason that makes sense to me is because I've been watching Doctor Who a lot lately. Anyway... Uh, basically, our man says that he's got the Philosopher's Stone. And remember last issue when I said that Luther had had made this giant sculpture that looked really crazy and impossible to create? Well, basically you see the same thing in our man's hands. So apparently the Philosopher's Stone looks like that when it's in its true form. And our man tells him how they've been betrayed by a false god. Apparently, Metron tricked them. Uh, this has all been a wild goose chase. Um, and despite what the scan says, it was not the real Metron. Um, let's see. And our man tell, told Kyle that if they don't get back soon and they and stop the Justice League from winning against the Injustice Gang, the Philosopher's Stone gets destroyed and Darkseid ends up turning the Earth into a wasteland slave camp. So they ask for help, but of course they can't. Uh, the Wonderworld heroes are not allowed to desert their station because they are awaiting the coming of a threat older and more terrible than even Darkseid. It's the rise of the anti-sun Mageddon. And they want to, you know, because the terrible day is going to come when, but he's stopped right about that point by Aquaman saying, no! Wait. Uh, so, even though they don't want to leave, they ask for their help in allowing the heroes to get back to Earth in their time. 
So basically, um, thanks to the, one of those little baby boxes that they got from Metron that they've been using to tra to follow the Philosopher's Stone, they're going to use one to get back to Earth at to their time on Earth. So using Glimmer's hyperwheel, Green Lantern straps Aquaman and himself in, and they're going to get pulled by Flash. They're accelerating. They accelerate to speeds where their entire physical structure will be converted to hyperlight information, which seems to kind of freak out Aquaman a little bit. Um, meanwhile, as they're doing that on Earth, Batman is actually talking to Mirror Master in one of his in one of his reflective tricks, uh, and Mirror Master lets him know that they've got the four minute four. It's the four minute warning, and Batman has just paid him more than Lex Luthor was paying him. Uh, so now Mirror Master is going to be working for them for the Justice League. Superman kind of has a problem with this as he and Martian Manhunter have arrived in the Batcave, but you know lives are at stake, Batman's doing what's necessary, plus the money's gone into a restoration fund for an orphanage where uh, Mirror Master grew up as a kid, and we learn never to underestimate the sentimentality of a Scotsman, which is ironic since Grant Morrison is from Scotland. Uh, let's see. And Batman fully feels that, you know, they're going to win. And apparently, and at this point, they know all about the Philosopher's Stone. Okay, back in the f wherever, uh, the hole basically looks like it's been ripped in space as Flash, Aquaman, and Green Lantern show up show up in orbit around Earth. They're still energy. Uh, they haven't slowed down enough to, you know, for their physical storms to physical forms to be restored yet uh, but the ring is allowing them to talk and they float, kind of fly towards Earth uh, but something seems wrong there's a bright light over Europe actually it's not a bright light Europe has become a fire pit dark sides already there and it looks like they may already be too late next time Kingdom of Evil and after a couple promos, we'll be right back with the ads. Do you enjoy time travel in general, and the Silver Age of comic books in particular? If so, join me each week on the Superman Fan Podcast. My name is Billy Hogan, and I will be your host. Together, we'll crash through the time barrier and fly into the past to explore the Silver Age adventures of Superman. One week, we will take a look at the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and soon, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. The next week, we will feature the Man of Steel's titles, Superman and Action Comics, which will include the Supergirl stories during her run in the back of that title. You can join me each week on Wednesday or Thursday at the SupermanFanPodcast.blogspot.com, which is available on iTunes. And your emails are always welcome at supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to wear your red indestructible cape. 1937. To keep the increasingly threatening Third Reich from achieving a supernatural doomsday weapon, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt secretly turns to soldier of fortune, adventurer, and World War I hero Ace Kilroy. 
The Skillroy is a serialized webcomic that launched on Halloween night 2011. The co-creation of writer Rob Kelly and artist Dan O'Connor. It was nominated for a 2012 Eagle Award for Favorite Webcomic. And Kelly won a 2012 Philadelphia Geek Award for Comic Book Writer of the Year. A Skillroy features adventure, horror, mystery, political intrigue, and romance. Join the fight against evil. Visit askillroy.com. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice... All right, ads in this issue. The first, inside the front cover, we have a new ad we haven't seen before. Uh, it's a Burger King Kids Club ad for the Superman the Animated Series toys that they currently had going on. It's a comic based on... Uh, they, they use a... It's kind of a comic book kind of story uh, to tell about the fact that Jimmy found out about this and wants, about these toys and wants to cover it for the Daily Planet, although I don't know why that's news. Uh, but there's about five different toys. They have Lois in what appears to be the car that Clark drove in the show. Uh, a couple of Superman toys, something with Clark on it. I don't know exactly what these all do, but yeah. Including one where it looks like Superman's flying over the Daily Planet, but it looks like he's connected to the Daily Planet globe, so he literally is just literally flying over it, I guess. Uh, you know, they're kids' meal toys. They're not going to be awesome. Uh, the next ad is another one of those crazy Mellow Jello ads. Uh, or Mellow Jello? Mellow Yellow ads. And it's some guy making a weird face. Okay. Um, they call him another satisfied customer, but anyway. Uh, next ad is that same Skittles ad we got last time with the magnifying glass showing us that the rainbow is made of Skittles. They've lost their inside back cover page. I wonder what's going on. Uh, let's see. Then we have an ad for a new show about to premiere on September 19th, which was about, which was shortly before this issue came out, so it's probably already been seen. Uh, prepare for the arrival, and it's the new series, The Visitor, from the director and producer of Independence Day. It premieres Friday, September 19th, at 8, 7 Central, and Mountain, on Fox. Um, that, I'm guessing that didn't last long. We have uh, next up. We have the two-page ad for the Konami International Super Soccer or Superstar Soccer 64 for the Nintendo 64. Same ad as before, so I won't really get into it too much. Next ad is for uh, from Revel uh, for basically model kits for some of their new model kits. There are there is a. Uh, there's levels, apparently, or something. Oh, there are different kits. Four different kits. There is the Snap-Tight F-14A Tomcat. Uh, there's the F-16 ADF Road Warrior, which is a plane, not a road car. Anyway, uh, a 97 Corvette and a 39 Chevy Coupe. And all of those look actually really cool on the ad. Uh, the kid. He's got a baseball cap on, and under the baseball cap is his headphones which he has connected to something you can't see. Obviously, it would probably have to be a Walkman because I, you know, MP3 players weren't out yet. And these, yeah, these boots are untied. Oh, Lord. Anyway, moving right along. Next up, we have that ad for the, uh, res uh, those characters writ uh, molded in resin with the comic book covers behind them on the stand. Uh, same two sets as before. Uh, next up, we have for a new CD, the Ultimate Party is in not the house, but your house. Ultimate Hip Hop Party '98. Uh, 
Now, I love these because this kind of shows you what kind of stuff was popular at the time. Also available is Ultimate Dance Party 97 and Ultimate New Wave Party. But on the hip-hop party, we have Lil' Kim uh, featuring Puff Daddy with No Time. LL Cool J's doing it. Tony Tony Tone featuring DJ Quick. Let's Get Down. One tw- uh, I guess it's called 112. Featuring the Notorious B.I.G. and Mace with Only You, which is the Bad Boy remix. Brandy, Sitting Up in My Room, which is a remix. Total, the No One Else R&B remix. A Tribe Called Quest, featuring Faith Evans. And they are doing the song Stressed Out, the Bjork Say, the Bjorks Say Dip mix. Uh, Case, Touch Me, Tease Me. Monica, with Don't Take It Personal, Just One of Them Days. D'Angelo, Lady. The Notorious B.I.G. with One More Chance, Stay With Me Remix. The Wu-Tang Clan with C-R-E-A-M. Deborah Cox with Sentimental. Junior Mafia with Gettin' Money, the Get Money Remix. Makes sense. Faith Evans with You Used to Love Me. And R. Kelly with Down Low, Nobody Has to Know, the the Live to Regret It Mix. So, that's that. Uh, The inside back cover is a different Coca-Cola ad. Uh, Same style of art, but this time it's on a basketball court because, you know, it's September, so we're hitting in the fall, so kids aren't riding their bikes as much. They're playing basketball, and it says, Always dunk one down. Always Coca-Cola. And let me tell you, if you you don't know how to play basketball with a bottle of Coke in your hand, you're not worth playing with. And the back cover is a Gap Kids ad showing a kid that appears to have fallen asleep standing up wearing a Gap Athletic sweatshirt. Uh, the Pro Fleece sweatshirt is 38 bucks, and his Easy Fit jeans are just $24. Meanwhile, I go to Walmart where I can get jeans for like 15 bucks. And elsewhere in the DC Universe this month, Genesis is over. So let's see what else is going on. Uh, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight has their se- has its seventh annual, uh, featuring some looks like some flying battles. Um, Bat- uh, Batman Shadow of the Bat number sixty eight uh, features a story by Adam Alan Grant, this time with art by Jim Aparo and Stan Walk. Apparently, fighting against death. Elseworld's Finest, number two, came out. Flash 130 was emer- uh, part one of Emergency Stop, which was the injury thing I was telling you, which was the story with the injury I was telling you about. That also may- might be part of the reason why Flash does not have, or still has the white eyes as we're going through this story. But I don't know how Flash was injured before this, so this, I- I'm confused. Anyway. Um... Green Lantern number 92 is part two of the hate crimes two part, uh, three-part story. Uh, and because it's one of their crossovers... Uh, oh, Daryl Banks is drawing it. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, it's part two of hate crimes, uh, which is the Green Arrow Green Lantern crossover. Uh, the new Hawk and Dove, Taking the Skies by Storm, uh, has their first issue premiere this month. Part uh, Issue four of the Kent's miniseries, um, Power of Shazam number 32 uh, apparently has something to do with wind shear I don't know it looks like 
the the cover shows Captain Marvel and Mary Marvel chasing after some kind of a plane, and it looks like they're moving at fantastic speeds. Uh, Starman number thirty six, featuring Times Past. Uh, apparently, it stars Will Payton, a hero once, despite himself. But also on the cover, you see Batman and. Well, it looks like the Golden Age Starman. It could also be uh, Jack Knight's brother David went the, for the short time that he was Starman right after Zero Hour up until he died in the first issue of the series. Uh, Steel number 44. Uh, apparently, uh, <laughs> Steel's entering Metropolis and his boot jets just went out. That can't be fun. Uh, Superman Adventures number 13 is the last issue by Scott McCloud. Uh, but it is a fun little story. It's kind of funny. Uh, Superman kind of has to take part in this uh, alien baseball game where uh, Professor Hamilton ends up saving the day at the end. It's pretty cool. Uh, let's see. Superman the Man of Steel number 73. Now, despite the fact that Genesis is over, uh, we've got uh, Superman being attacked by a bunch of parademons. This one has the notable distinction of while it, the plot is by Louise Simonson, it's scripted by Mark Wade. Uh, but John Bogdanov is not quite back yet. I do not believe he actually comes back until issue 75 for the um, Superman versus Bada Bing Bada Booms Day. I wish I could read that again. Um, Trial of Sup- the Trial of Superman came out in trade paperback this month. Adventures of Super or Adventures in the DC Universe number eight features a story um, <laughs> uh, featuring Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, with apparently a backup uh, feature story of oh, with a backup story featuring the Question. Uh, let's see, Azrael number thirty-five came out this month. Uh, ooh, ooh. Azrael and Hitman. Interesting. Uh, Batman number 548 still continue, continues the terrible art by Kelly Jones, but Batman's up against the Penguin. Batman, Advent, uh, Batman and Robin Adventures Annual number 2 uh, features some of the previous history of Batman, I believe, uh, where we get more into where he learns magic. If you saw that episode of of the of Batman the animated series where he first met up with uh, Zatanna, they play into a lot of the inform- a lot of the stuff from there. But they're you know Robin's going to be in it, Zatanna's in it, some kind of madman, and there's a slight a slight scene carryover that lets it cross over between uh, this annual and the Superman Adventures annual, also from the not the same month I don't believe, but the same year. Um, yeah, they actually both get to they cross over. Apparently, they both learn some stuff at the hands of Zatara. Pretty cool. Uh, the is this Elseworlds? The Elseworlds tale, Batman Mask or Mosk, I believe it's Mask, by Mike Grell, came out this month. Oh, that might be the only issue. It's the only issue. But it's Elseworlds. Uh, let's see. Green Arrow number 126 came out this month, which basically concludes the hate crime story. Uh, it's kind of cool because it looks like Green Arrow has the gr- Green Lantern ring on. Impulse number 31 
Not sure what happens inside, but on the cover... <laughs> actually, it says in this issue of Impulse, absolutely nothing like this scene happens. And on the cover you see Impulse, looks like he's eating some peanuts or popcorn out of a bag, sitting on a wall while he's watching Max Mercury beat up a, a werewolf guy in a lab coat. Uh, this is while Jeff Matsuda was doing the penciling for the covers, and so... Craig Rousseau is a good artist, but not when you've got Jeff Matsuda. Anyway, uh, Jack Kirby's Fourth World uh, features, looks like we've got um, Orion versus Calabac, plus a backup story by Walter Simonson. Ooh. I don't know why I called him Walter. It's Walt. Uh, JLA Annual Number 1. Nothing to do with this series, and it's written by Brian Augustin, so I won't cover it. But it features uh, Martian Manhunter, apparently. Uh, Legionnaires number 54 looks like some kind of weird flashback issue. Um, you would think this was supposed to be the. They the make the cover look like it's um, a, a redo of the cover to All Star. Comics number three, which is the introduction of the JSA. Uh, they've even got a fake coffee stain and fake uh, like page crinkles on it. So interesting. Yeah, they've all got old school co uh, kind of costumes. Cosmic Boy has a costume with a uh, the symbol on the. Everyone's wearing a mask. Um, Cosmic Boy's costume has uh, pictures of magnets all around it. Uh, looks like Lightning Lad or whatever he's being called has a old school type of costume with gloves but you know lightning bolts on it uh the triplicate girl is on here wearing basically the same costume three you know all three of them uh it's actually a really funny costume uh let's see the man called axe number two came out that really doesn't mean anything to me but in case you care uh nightwing number 14 came out this month uh, which apparently features a batman appearance. I've read Nightwing. I love Night the Nightwing book, but you know, I it's been a while so I can't tell you what exactly was happening in each issue. Uh Sovereign 7 number 28 came out uh featuring appearances of Impulse and Power Girls in this one. I don't know that she was actually part of the team, but Impulse shows up. Speed Force number 1 comes out this month. Now this is an important issue. Uh one the first story in there okay one of the stories in here uh, kind of is like a prelude to uh, a future of what's going to happen coming up uh, when Wade and Augustin come back in fact it's written by Wade it kind of has a uh, it actually has a bit of a connection because of the villain they fight which the name of which I cannot think of right off the top of my head um, Cobalt Cobalt Blue, I believe it's called. Um, but it is a Flash, Kid Flash kind of flashback adventure by Jim Aparo and Bill Stank Stankevich, of all people. Uh, but it's got a Max Mercury story and a Jesse Quick story and a... Uh, let's see... The Jay Garrick story and... Oh, the Jay Garrick story is really cool because it's done by John Byrne. I like that one. And uh, there's a, another story featuring a mysterious Flash. 
that actually will play a part in an upcoming storyline here uh, uh, from the future dealing with a sacrifice that was made we'll get back to that Superboy number 45 uh, has a story called Future Fallout Invaders from the Future uh, Ron Martz came back to write this one with jo- jo- uh, uh, and it features uh, a guest starring appearance of the Legion of Superheroes the cover is by Tom Grumman and Doug Hazelwood it is beautiful the art inside is by uh, I, I don't know how you say his name Jorge Jainty or George's Jainty I believe he's French so I can't say the name and Doug Hazelwood so the art's still good but it's not the same as the cover um, but yeah uh, Superman number 129 has a uh, one of the rare times when Dan Jurgens draws Superman with the electric blue cover or costume um, but Paul Ryan is doing the art uh, features Superman in a date with disaster as he's dealing with uh, Scorn and um, oh, the blind girl yeah uh, basically he's dealing with Scorn uh, Adventures of Superman number 552 came out this month and Superman kind of loses a bit of control of his power and actually goes up against Parasite and since he can absorb things now he actually absorbs the energy from Parasite in this issue it's uh, pretty crazy Aquaman number 38 came out this month um, and he's at a uh, <laughs> looks like he's at some kind of party where he's the center of attention the big attraction and uh, he, he says welcome to Poseidonus home of Aquaman and uh, Aquaman's like uh, no Batman and Robin Adventures number 24 features uh, has the duo the dynamic duo up against Poison Ivy the third miniseries pitting Batman versus Predator starts this month. Uh, yeah, Batman versus Predator, the third one, issue number one by Chuck Dixon and Rolf DiMaggio. Uh, Batman Long Halloween number 12. This is Labor Day. Uh, that story's almost over. Um, another one of those with the... Uh, another one of those plus issues teaming up a hero with someone from Scare Tactics. Catwoman plus Scream Queen. Uh, Batman in Detective Comics number 715 continues the story of Batman vs. Firefly but has a guest appearance by Martian Manhunter. Uh, Flash Secret Files number 1 has the Flash's origin retold again and also features something uh, of a of a tease of the upcoming storyline. It's going to be coming up when Wade and August and come back. Uh, plus some stuff about uh, the Rose Gallery, some Flash family secrets revealed, and a family tree. Plus a Flash timeline, and explore the Flash Museum with a guided tour. And you get to hear, learn about Max Mercury's historic or heroic career. Uh, Impulse gets his second annual, with a cover showing him drawing a uh, a hat and mustache on a wanted poster featuring Impulse. Um, doo, 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 doo. where were we? Resurrection Man uh, features an appearance of Batman. Supergirl number fifteen. Apparently, she goes up against the extremists. Doesn't look like she's faring very well on the cover. 
Uh, Superman Adventures Annual Number One, like I said, is uh, is more magic, monsters, mayhem, magic, and more monsters. And like I said, there is a bit of a uh, crossover where he meets up with Satara to learn some stuff. Uh, and that was again in his younger days. Um, I should point out that all the anim- uh, the adventures annuals from this month were all written by the same person, so that's part of the reason, I guess. Uh, Superman in Action Comics, number 739, features Superman in Chains, Lois in Jail, and Scorn in Love, by Stuart Eminem and Jose Marzan Jr. Uh, Terminal City had a trade paperback this month. Adventures of the DC Universe, annual number one, is also full of magic, also written by Hilary J. Bader, who wrote all of them. This one features Mr. Miracle, Dr. Fate, Rosenthorn, Superboy, and Impulse. Uh, and Superman and Batman Adventures World's Finest Number 1 is basically the comic book adaptation of the Superman Batman World's Finest uh, three-part episode slash movie that had recently premiered on Kids WB at this point. Uh, the first time Superman and Batman met up. It's got a beautiful cover by Bruce Timm uh, with Superman and Batman and also showing Joker and Harley as well as Lex and Mercy and Lois Lane. Unfortunately, it was drawn by Joe Staten. Uh, about halfway through, he gets all the updates for the character models. So at the beginning of the book, Alfred looks like he did on the uh, older version of the Batman animated series, and by the end, he looks like he does on the newer series. So it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Paul Dini does write the script, so a lot of it is does stay the same. Uh, the art's just not my favorite. Sorry, Joe. Uh, Legends of the Dark Batman Legends of the Dark Knight issue 100 basically is a retelling of the origin of Dick Grayson as Robin by Denny O'Neill Robin had not appeared in Legends of the Dark Knight before this other than uh, when they did a crossover with Knight's like with any part of the Knight's trilogy Knight Fall Knight Quest Knight's End Um, but in fact, I don't believe he showed up until night's end. But yeah, they were trying to keep Robin out of this. This is the first time you get to see him, and I don't believe he comes back. I may be wrong. Catwoman number fifty-one features. Oh, Catwoman's back in his in her old costume again. Uh, she has to deal with the Huntress. Uh, Flash part two of Emergency Stop, where Flash's leg gets well, legs get broken. Yeah. Um, let's see... Legion of Superheroes, number 98. Uh, featuring Phase 2. Apparently, ooh, this is cool. We see two versions of, basically, uh... I believe she's known as Phase in this era, but basically, like, Phantom Girl. And you kind of get two iterations of her meeting. It looks like Phantom Girl from the post-Zero Hour Legion plus the Phantom Girl from the L-E-G-I-O-N Legion that used to run in the earlier 90s. Like Legion 92, 93, you know that one. Which I believe was a present day book. So yeah. I believe that's her. That might also be her from the from the pre-Zero, but I don't think they were doing that. Next up is Robin, number 47. Uh, looks like Robin... Batman and Nightwing are about to be uh, ambushed by a bunch of uh, Middle East soldiers? That's not good. 
Uh, featuring artwork by Eduardo Barreto, though. Spectre number 59 came out this month. Starman Annual number 2 came out. Superboy and the Ravers number 15 came out, which isn't the final issue, but uh, it's just, uh, I don't know what happens in the story, but just looking at the cover, uh, it's just a happy issue of everyone running from the bottom left corner to towards the upper right flying, running, or what have you. Must be a good time. Uh, Teen Titans number 14 has uh, Then and Now Part 3 where we find out who is Omen. Uh, And also uh, features uh, Tempest predominantly on the cover. Uh, But in the background you see characters like Flash, Cyborg, uh, back in his original uh, costume almost looks like uh, Nightwing Changeling who was not Beast Boy yet he's still Changeling um, Jericho Raven and then uh, Starfire's on here and then some other characters I'm not completely sure I know uh, I do see Terra Girl and I think that's Wildebeest but I'm not sure uh, but it's got the current team and some past Titans it's just their head, floaty head type things um which, of course, you have to do if you have George Perez doing anything with the cover. And Wonder Woman 127, Ascension, which apparently leaves me, leads me to believe this is the issue where she ascends uh, to becoming the goddess of, hon- uh, the goddess of honesty, the goddess of truth. Uh, yeah, so that's where that starts. So that's it for that. Um, I want to thank you all for listening yet again. Uh, Make sure you come back next week when we cover JLA number 13, uh, which is another fun issue of JLA, if you want to call it that. And um, I'll see you then. Bye, everybody. This has been an episode of Charlie's GeekCast, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. The show's website is www.charliesgeekcast.com, where you'll find notes and images for each episode. Please feel free to leave a comment there or email the show at charliesgeekcast at gmail.com, and I'll read them on the air. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes. I also have another show called Superman of the Bronze Age, where I cover Superman comics published between 1970 and 1986. You can find that at www.supermanofthebronzeage.com. Charlie's Geek Cast is an I Don't Have a Fake Company name production. All images and music used are copyright their respective copyright holders. Thank you for listening, and God bless. God bless.